Yeah. 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 Booming out in Sabonet like Lou Will. Six men like Lou Will. Hello, fellow basketball lovers. Welcome back to the Six Man Podcast. So it focused on the National Basketball Association. Yours truly. Alex Moss from the Emory Wheel Sports section, and Aaron Pearl from Fansided. Okay, so this podcast will be broadcast on all platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, so you can get it wherever you want. So, Aaron, let's get right into the NBA playoffs. What were your initial impressions of the game we saw last night between the Blazers and Warriors? Uh, All I thought was the Warriors won every facet of the game. They, uh... They controlled the offensive end. They controlled transition. They controlled the defensive end. Curry looked like the MVP from a few years ago. He looked like he was getting every single shot that he wanted. He got everywhere he wanted. Uh, the Blazers, Blazers, even though they kept it close for a little, it didn't really look like they put up any really real competition. Well, I think that comes down to the guard play. I mean, if you look at the regular season, the guard play typically was a wash between both teams. You know, McCollum and Lillard. And Thompson and Curry would score about the same points. But in this game, I mean, Curry and Thompson destroyed them. They, they had scored them by 26 points. Mm-hmm. And the Blazers has lost by 22. So, I mean, that was really the difference in the game. Right. I mean, I agree. I think they have a they have a heavy test in the Warriors. And everyone has to be on their A game. And especially their best players. And when the best players are not on their A game, there's no way they're winning. And there's oh, yeah, no way no they're clans. close. No clans. No, no and especially when, like I said last episode, uh, the Warriors, if they get their bench play, they're virtually unstoppable. And I mean, they got 36 bench points. And I mean, that's the best. That's the, as as much as you can ask for from their their bench. That's just perfect for giving their starters a few minutes of rest and still facilitating and still being able to generate some points. That's a big plus and a big thing that you know has shot themselves in the foot sometimes, like last year in the playoffs, like around the Rockets, but they they got out in the series. But now with that going. And everyone hitting, it's it's they're scary again. Yeah, honestly, the game kind of surprised me because, you know, typically when you think of the Blazers or Warriors, you think, you know, really strong guard play, like you said, poor bench play. But both benches contributed uh, pretty efficiently. You know, um, Rodney Hood came off the bench and provided good minutes for the Blazers. Um, other guys for the Warriors came off the bench. You know, they scored 36 bench points. and. Really, it was kind of a wash between the role players. Mo Harkless dropped 17, efficient. He's not typically a scorer, but you know he stepped up to the table in game one. But um, but that's why it was surprising to me. You know, McCollum and Lillard have been doing it for the Blazers all you know all playoff long. They've been exceptional. They've looked like you know you you got on me last time for saying this, but the best backcourt in the league. Uh, but you know this game, they really they both. You know, typically, you, you saw in Game 7, Lillard didn't have a good game, but McCollum picked up the slack. But really, in this game, they both had a terrible game. I mean, right. Lillard had seven turnovers, four yeah. of 12. Uh, McCollum was seven of 19, close to, 30, close to 30% shooting from both of them combined. You know, that's just not going to get it done. I mean, Just that simple. I mean, I watched the beginning of that game, and uh, it started off with three turnovers by Damian Lillard. One, yeah, it's over the, uh, one pass, two feet out of bounds. Another dribbled off his foot, and another would just it just passed that 
it looked like he was frag like fragile. It looked like he was terrified. And Dame and CJ, that's just how they played. They looked scared. They looked like, yeah, we got to the conference finals. We got past what everyone said we couldn't. Yeah. What are we going to do now? Especially considering the last two years they got swept. Exactly. You know, they got it. You know, they got over that hump that they were waiting for. Exactly. Now what are you going to do? And they looked terrified. They looked like, shit, we really don't know what to do here. And, you know, if you're going to play like that, it's going to be a quick series. Yeah. I mean, also, you got to give credit to the Warriors defense, though. I mean, throughout the playoffs, that's really been their, their, their weak point. You know, they've still maintained their extremely efficient offense throughout the playoffs. But, you know, against the Rockets, they struggled to hold them. They really had to outscore their opponents in both the Clippers series and the Rockets series. But, you know, holding the Blazers are really, pro- really prolific offense to only 94 points. I mean, that's pretty impressive. I mean, they have almost equivalent defenses. But when you watch what the Blazers did and their game plan on defense, where when the Warriors did an up uh, high ball screen for mm-hmm. Curry yeah. and they were going under the screen. No, the, it no was, they'd it, either go under or they'd go what would happen was Lillard would try to go over, but he'd get picked, and the big man was nowhere to be right. seen. Right. And if you're, gonna, into the lane. if you're going to do that against Curry, you're just asking for a loss. You're just asking for You're asking three for him to knock three. down nine threes. You're asking game. for exactly to hit nine threes in a game. And, you know, Terry Stotts can get upset at the reporters when they ask questions exactly. all he wants, but they're right. And if you're going to continue playing like that on the pick and roll, that they do constantly almost every possession – you're asking for a defeat. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Stotts brought up the fact that Houston trapped in Game Six, and Curry still put up 33 right, on them in the second half. But if you look at the quality of shots, I mean, I watched that. I watched right. both games. You know, the Step quality back, of like, looks. Exactly, there were some really difficult shots that Curry hit in this game that don't typically go in even for Curry. But you know, in the Rockets game, he was on another level. Right. He was hitting shots that were just you got to put your hands up and say. There's not really much I can do. Right. But against the Blazers, there were many shots where it's just step in threes that were like basically uncontested. Right. It's true. It's true. Especially with a guy who's so hot and cold like Curry. I mean, that's just that's just giving him opportunities to, you know, get into his rhythm and it could ultimately fuel him to pl- continue playing at that MVP level the rest of the series. Right. And I mean, once you get him in in a field and, you know, you have to put more emphasis on him. You're leaving Clay Thompson open. You're leaving, you know, inevitably, you're going to leave Kevin Durant open. You're yeah. leaving all these guys that could facilitate also and could generate points. And so by take not taking away his offensive game, you're exploiting your whole defense. But I mean, especially, there was there were there were especially since Curry's a willing passer. I mean, he's not he's not a gifted passer like you know Chris Paul or you know the real like real big assist guys in the mm-hmm. NBA. Um, Ricky Rubio, guys like that. But, you know, he's a willing passer, and he showed that by providing nine assists uh, – or, sorry, seven assists last game. So, really, Curry did it all for their team. Um, He showed why he was named the MVP three years ago. Right. Um, There were a few bright spots for the Blazers. Like we said, their bench played pretty well. But two bright spots on their bench were Zach Collins, you know. Yeah, Zach Collins is looking good. Finally, he's showing his potential. You know, I've, I've been waiting for a long time. I really loved him coming out of the draft and you know coming out of gonzaga right and uh i mean he had a great wingspan he had, he played great defense you know he, he had to up his offensive game and it seems like he's found it It seems like he's found that aggressiveness seems like he's found that confidence you know in uh 18 minutes he scored eight points and four rebounds and you know they kind of revolved their, their offense around him because you know they couldn't really they couldn't really guard the big men like i said you know that's how that's the 
that's the Warriors kryptonite. So if you have a, a big man that can generate points like that, that's really going to help your your case. And, you know, he, he looked good. He looked good like that. And then Rodney Hood, you know, like you said, he scored 17 points on four for eight shooting with one turnover. You know, it really seems like he's just getting his feel back for the NBA. You know, he was he was a yeah. Rodney he was, was a, a journeyman. He was a scorer. He was also a, also you know he went from being a first round pick in Utah to basically you know nobody really wanted him. Right. Like the Blazers got him for nothing. Right. That's what I'm saying. And yeah, he was a scorer in Utah. He was a he was one of their top priorities. You know, on a, like a defense's top priorities when he was in Utah. But and then I don't know what happened when he went to. Cleveland, Cleveland and all that stuff. Exactly, yeah. but he's getting it back now, and then it looks he's good. He's playing great. Yeah. Can shoot the ball. All right. Long, athletic, 6'8". Yeah, he's looking like he could earn, you know, a big contract this upcoming offseason. Right, but nevertheless, this looks like a quick series, just like I said. I wouldn't rule it out yet, you know. Dame and CJ have good. been counted out for years, bro. I mean... For years. The report came out, KD is out for game two. Exactly. It really... It makes game two that much more important. If they don't if, win game two, if they two, don't win game over. two, I think it's I over. think it's a five game series. Yeah. If that, you know, maybe if it'll go that, four. Right. Honestly. But um, but if they get game two, you know, they're right back in it. They have the home court advantage. Uh Portland is an extremely loud arena, loud place to play. You know, it's uh it I mean, it's provided its fair share of drama over the years given, you know, even in this playoffs against the Thunder, where Lillard hit his 37 foot, 37 foot, you know, three point step back, uh, so you know we'll we'll see what happens. So, not to be overshadowed by the NBA playoffs was the NBA lottery, <laughs> which produced, you know, extreme happiness and extreme heartbreak <laughs> for extreme heartbreak for me as a Knicks fan and uh, me as a Bulls fan. Yeah, so. Uh, so here are the results. You know, you got New Orleans at one, Memphis Grizzlies at two, the Knicks, my beloved Knicks at three, uh, the Lakers at four, the Cavs at five, the Suns at six, the Bulls at seven, the Hawks at eight, the Wizards at nine, the, and then the Hawks at ten. That's the Mavs pick that they got in the Luka Doncic trade last year. You know, And Timberwolves at 11, Hornets at 12, Heat at 13. Celtics of 14. So now if we look at the winners and losers of this, you know, obviously a clear winner is New Orleans Pelicans with a 6% chance to get the first round pick and they get it. Yeah. You know, David Griffin brings a, few, a little bit of luck to the, to uh, New Orleans. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable for that small market franchise. You know, it's, it's, you know, their, their, their fan base was, you know, obviously lacking. And then when Anthony Davis demanded a trade, it even started lacking even more. And now this, regardless of they trade Anthony Davis, regardless of that, they have an unbelievable future with Zion. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for the small market teams, it shows, you know, <laughs> the NBA is really about extreme parity. Right. And no matter how big your market, it doesn't matter. Because the Pelicans and Grizzlies were the two least valuable franchises in the entire NBA, and they they ended up with the number one and number two pick. Right. So. And then the two most valuable franchises, the Lakers and the Knicks, ended up with three and four. It just shows that whole, that whole thing that everyone was thinking, you know, like about the uh, the lottery being rigged. Right, exactly. Like it's no, BS. it's bullshit. You know, yeah. It they, it, I mean, obviously for them to call it a lottery, I'd much rather see the balls, you know, rolling hmm. and see the real lottery. But yeah. you know, it it seems like it's not rigged. It seems like every chance every team really has the 
chance that they're given. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the big loser of this, this draft lottery is the people that think that this is rigged, you know? Yeah. Also, big winner ESPN, you know, the suspense. I mean, who would have thought that three teams with outside odds of getting the top four picks, well, obviously, Knicks had the best odds, but three teams that had, uh, that had minimal chances of being in the top four, you know, they leapfrog the Suns, the Cavs, and the, Bulls. the and the Bulls to get into the top four. So, you know, good for ESPN, good for the drama, um, you know, good for the NBA. Yeah. Well, actually, not so good for the NBA because Zion isn't in a big market. That's that's not – He'll show up still. Don't I mean, worry. obviously, with the internet and, you know, given that the NBA is so big, you know – Westbrook has a huge ba- huge brand and stuff like that. Right. Huge following, even though he's in OKC. Right. It, it really, like, it doesn't matter, but it would be would have been nice for the NBA right. to have New York and L.A. immediately be relevant. Right. But I wouldn't call ESPN 100% the winner. I mean... Especially since Ra- Rachel Nichols sucked. Right. I mean, that, that whole sucked. show was so cringy. So bad. Where she they were talking... They were talking... Over- yeah, but they were talking, like in the the city like the arena also and they were all they were talking about was Zion and it made Zion feel so uncomfortable they feel all the other prospects so uncomfortable it was just so weird they yeah. just kept going on and on and on and even when they brought RJ and Zion up the one question RJ Barrett got was how does it feel to see him get all this what the yeah. fuck are you guys doing like yeah, dude it's weird don't let this become the next LeBron thing where they only show Zion on ESPN Especially considering LeBron's draft. I mean, you have Carmelo, CP3. Right. Yeah. Chris Bosh. There are diamonds in the rough in this. this uh, yeah, RJ this... Barrett, John Morant. Nobody yeah. even mentioned John Morant. Right, exactly. John Morant is a point god. Right. My I mean, god. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, so let's go to losers. Zion Williamson, in my oh, opinion. Yeah, probably. Because who the fuck would want to go to New Orleans? <laughs> even though you go to school there, whatever. Right. Uh, tanking. Yeah, I mean. I mean, obviously. People said it. Yeah, I mean, it shows that. You just losing all the games, and you know the Knicks doesn't do shit. Purposely you. trying to lose games, it doesn't, doesn't do anything do for you. The Bulls, yeah, your beloved Bulls. That was really bad. I mean, dropping from four to seven. I mean, it's the third four. consecutive year we've gotten the seventh pick. Uh, you know, we found diamonds in the rough in Laurie and Wendell, but it's gonna take a lot to see what this is because you know we don't have as many needs as we did in those drafts. We you know we have a one gaping need as a point guard, and we might lose out on the top two point guards at seven. Yeah, John Morant and Darius Garland from right. Vanderbilt. Right. So, I mean, we'll really see. I, I've heard some rumors that they want to trade the pick for a veteran player. And, you know, if they do That's that, not like, smart. I'm so fucking done. That's not smart. Not <laughs> so, smart. you know, there's some rumors about Lonzo Ball being in, you know, if that happens, yeah, nah. if that happens, no I'm chance. so done. But uh, I think they could find a player. You know, they could look at Jerry Culver. They could look at Kobe White. And, you know, Darius Garland might fall. Probably not. but. You Even know, you know, you guys have that, young we're definitely assets. Lost if you guys that. wanted to go up, you guys could definitely get them. We could see it. I mean, I was looking at like potential trades, like a Chris Dunn number seven pick and our unprotected pick next year for like the number three, number two pick to Memphis. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they get down, they still get a scorer, and they don't have to worry about the point guard situation. Exactly. Mike Conley. Mike Conley yeah. So I could see that being enticing for them, but yeah. you know, we'll see. But they're definitely a loser in this situation. You know, another loser is my Knicks. Yeah. You know. They really, the fan base needed something. You know, the fan base has been starved for ever since Patrick Ewing left. I mean, they they haven't made a, even a conference finals 
since 1999 where they made the NBA Finals. And they've been horrible for the past five years, like absolutely abysmal. They were embarrassingly bad this year, the worst record in the NBA. And they don't even get the big prize. Yep. And Zion Williamson, a transcendent figure, a just a media, like just a media magnet, an incredible basketball player, an incredible person, just the total package, and they don't get him. Yep. I mean, it, it's showing. It looks like Adam Silver has gotten gotten this, you know, down pat, gotten the tanking problem down pat. You know, he he has a few more problems to deal with. You know, yeah. like. If they if they're allowing the draft like draftees to come in at 18 years old, but yeah, that's big. You know, he's succeeding compared to the other major sports. Adam Silver is making this uh, this league look unbelievable, and yeah. uh, it's it's scary, and you know, it's it's insane to think that everyone has actually a chance, and you know, it's not rigged. It's not everything that people yeah. are saying, and it sucks. And you know, this just shows it's been- for the big markets. Yeah, well, I mean, if they, if the they purposely the lose like yeah. like the Knicks like did, the Knicks. and then end up with shit you know that just shows maybe they should have tried a little bit more maybe yeah. they shouldn't have traded away Kristaps right away you know stuff like that it shows it shows yeah. and it's nice okay so right now we're gonna get into our new segment called true or false so first statement the warriors are better without kevin durant true or false false that's the best player in the nba that's you can't just take him off a team and they're gonna be better like that's just inherently wrong well, to play devil's advocate, they've played, they've won all three games since Kevin Durant has not been in the lineup. Regardless, yeah, they it's lost because two they have four other All Stars on the team. They lost two against Houston. Curry looks to be the exact same player that he was before Durant got there. He looks to have a renewed confidence. There's more space. Uh, they're actually playing a big man instead of Durant. There's more shots to go around. Uh, Thompson looks happier. He didn't look happy during the Houston series because. There were reports that he felt like he was just getting the spoils of the shots. He wasn't actually getting, you know, the attention that he wanted in terms of... Well, that's what happens when you have offense. four All-Stars and you decide to get another one. But you get the best player in the NBA. Regardless of any way you want to spin it, putting the best player on any kind of team he is going to make them better. And he has made them better. They have been a powerhouse. And they're a powerhouse without him because they also have four other All-Stars. So I mean, regardless of how you spin, I feel like it's a it's a bad example because the Warriors they're amazing without KD and they're amazing with KD. So I mean, but if you think about putting KD on the Knicks, are they better? I mean, definitely because there's nothing there, right? But there's nothing okay, there if you put him on but, the but there, if you put him on the Blazers. There, KD, on the Blazers KD went, right now. Once I KD went to a seventy three win team, there okay. was stuff there. If you put him on the Blazers right now, would they get better? Yes, because okay. he fits a need in a in a position. Like if you put him on the Lakers, I don't think they get better. They would 100% get better. I don't think so. LeBron can play any position. I don't think so. How can you say that? He is the number one scorer in the NBA. He is, when given the ball, he will. No, he's not. He's not the number one. James Harden's the best. James Harden's the number one You can make an argument for that. But when you give six a game, when you give KD just an, an inch of opening, he will grill you. He knows every move in the book. And when you have him in the post and he turns around, you're dead. You're done. You're you're dead meat. I'll shoot over you, but it's he is an unbelievable scorer, and regardless of any team you put him on, they get better. That's period. That was a dumb question. Okay. That's true or false. Hopefully this won't be dumb, but yeah, hopefully. Okay. So the 76ers are making a mistake keeping their head coach Brett Brown. I would say true. I think they need a little bit of a culture shock. 
you know, he's been there for a pretty long time. He's been there through the tanks. And I understand, you know, that's why they want him. You know, he's there. He's he's grown up with these players. He's grown up with jo- Joel. He's grown up with Ben Simmons. But they do need a little bit of a culture, culture change there. You know, it, something's not going around. Something's not like these players aren't maturing, you know, not generating enough team chemistry where they, they look like they're – you know, fluidity on offense and fluidity on defense. You know, they look like they're all just playing for each other, not for each other, just for for big uh, contracts and stuff like that. So I think they do need a culture change. So I'm going to say that's true. Okay, I'm going to say false. I think I think Brett Brown is a really good coach. I think he did a he did a good job. You know, meshing all the parts that they acquired at the deadline together, and you know that didn't necessarily, you know, fit like a puzzle too well. They didn't. They didn't necessarily click at first, but I think he molded them into a pretty good unit. I mean, they beat the Nets a pretty good ball ball uh, pretty good ball club in five games, and they took the Raptors, a really good team, who won fifty eight games during the regular season and finished with the second best record overall in the regular season. Took them to seven games and basically lost on a lucky bounce. So I think you know you see the way Joel Embiid talks about Brett Brown. His love for him, his appreciation for Brett Brown, I think you need to keep him and you need to keep your star happy. And that's why I think they did not make a mistake keeping Brett Brown. Yeah, I mean, I understand. I, he was given cards that were basically very, very difficult to deal with. You know, you yeah. get you get a, a hothead in Jimmy Butler at the trade deadline and you, you're like, okay, you mean, you give me this, what, how am I supposed to deal with this? And he, he Especially found, given, you know, the alpha dog personality of right. Joel Embiid. In, right, in I mean, it, it was definitely hard, and I think he was trying to figure it out. But I, I, I just think the whole organization, you know, the trust, the process, all that, and they got to this point, and they're getting to the conference semifinals, and there's this, like, swagger, and there's just this demeanor that they're better than anyone. But Well, there's, you could say it's not swagger, you could say it's arrogance. Yeah, cockiness. And, yeah, and there's just like this. There's no team chemistry. There's n- it's not successful. It's not a successful management that they're going with right now. And I think they just need a different culture change. I'm not saying anything about Brett Brown. I think he's an unbelievable coach too. I just think there's sometimes that teams and a coach need to part ways for the betterment of just the culture of the organization. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's what we needed. That's what the Bulls did in Tom Thibodeau. You know, everything was going to shit, and they kind of just said. I think we should move on. I think we should just start over. But I don't think everything went to shit. I mean, they reached the conference semifinals, and they lost to an extremely good team on their home court by two points on a shot that bounced four times on the rim. Right. And they also lost to arguably arguably one of the top three players in the league in, Con- in Kawhi Leonard, who yeah. played on a different level during that series. An all-time great level during that series, right? But if you look at their defense, you look at their—it was just. I mean, their defense stagnant. in Game Seven was good. Their offense was stagnant, and you know, I think being in that situation, obviously they were in the situation last year in the conference finals. But really, this was this was their real year to kind of make some noise because they gotten that experience under their belt last year. I think, you know. Continuity for some reason now isn't valued in the NBA. Isn't valued in sports franchises in general. I see it in soccer. I see it in football. You know, you get one or two years and you're gone. But I think ultimately building something together, building a foundation for a structure that will ultimately breed a championship is important. And I think Brett Brown has begun to lay the foundations, no matter 
how well you think he handled the late game execution in game seven. I think you keep them, you keep your star player happy. You keep, I mean, they increased their win total this year. They've built on the momentum that they built the year before. So I think as long as you get off to a good start next year, I think you have to at least give them next year. Yeah. I mean, uh, you make a good point. Uh, I, ju- I just, th- I'm just going to, you know, stay to my guns and I think they just need a different culture change. You okay. know, that's what I think. Okay. Next true or false, the Pelicans, even though they got the number one pick and mo- that's most likely Zion Williamson, should they still deal Anthony Davis? I think so. I mean, there's already been a report that yeah, he doesn't want to be there. Still doesn't he doesn't want to be there. And yeah. you know what? I think if I'm David Griffin, I'm like, all right, perfect. You know, we just got the first pick. I'm ecstatic that we got the first pick. We just jump started our rebuild by so yeah, much. I true. we did not have a like a a path, a way to think about this whole situation. Well, they also don't have that many young assets. Right, that's what I'm besides- saying. I'm saying. I'm saying if you were gonna deal AD, you know, just to get him out of there before the offseason, you didn't. They didn't have a, like anywhere they were going. You know, they they were down in the dumps. You know. They were going to get some young players, some young mediocre players from the Lakers. And what would you have done with that? There was no continuity. There was nothing. You would just have a team full of young players. But now with Zion, you just jumpstarted that whole thing by so much. And trade AD, you have so many options now. Because people know that you're not, like, you're willing to say, no, like, fuck you. Like, we'll wait for another option. Because we're like, you're like, you're not as... As he- you're not as like you're you're hesitant because you have Zion, you have a, a future, you know. You don't need to go for any offer that it goes. And you know, you th- the Knicks might still want him. You could deal him. You can get number three, and you can pair Zion and RJ together again. And look at that. That's one of the best duos in the NBA already. If these two coming out, and it's not one of the best duos in the NBA. It, like called your horses a little bit. I think those but, two are going to be all time greats. It was an exceptional duo in college, and I agree. I think. It's true the Pelicans should still deal Anthony Davis. I mean, ultimately, your culture in your locker room won't be proper. It won't be cohesive if there's a player, especially your star player, your best player, who wants out. Yeah, I mean, so we, get saw rid of that. we saw that this year. Get rid of him. Yeah. Get rid of him. I mean, I've seen it. I'm a big soccer fan. I've seen it with my Manchester United. Paul Pogba wants out, and it doesn't work. It screws up the entire chemistry. It, like, really, you got to bring in people who want to be there. And clearly Zion, he would rather be somewhere else, but he kind of has what to be there. say that? Because there have been reports that he wanted to go to the Knicks. Sucks. But, what? Sucks. Yeah, but still. It's going to make a lot of money. In New you know, still. if you can recoup a ton of assets for Anthony Davis and pair them with Zion Williamson and really start to build something, I think, you know, the Pelicans have a really bright future. Yep. I mean, it's it's insane that one luck of the draw can just yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yep. All right. Last question. It's a pretty uh, prominent question. Will the Warriors three feet? Just straight up, will they? Um, I guess you know the way they're they're playing, the fact that they're the two time defending champs. They've won three to the last four years. I think you have to say they will. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's until sad. somebody has dethroned them. And you thought it would be the Rockets this year, especially considering they had them on the ropes the previous year. Kevin Durant went out. You thought game five, like, this yeah. is the Rockets' time. Yeah. Finally, the Warriors will be dethroned. And this evil this evil empire with 
the baby-faced assassin, Stephen Curry and the Splash Brothers, and the best player who went from a small market and joined a 73-win team, they'd finally be done. Finally, I wouldn't have to fucking hear about this team. But, you know, God is testing me. Here we are again. God is testing me. So, ultimately, I think they will. They have played incredible since Durant's gone out. Curry looks rejuvenated. Draymond Green's still good. Ultimately, they're not as good as they were when Durant first got there, but they're still far better than the Blazers. And, you know, the Bucks are young and unproven, and you'd have to say they're better than the Raptors. So, so yeah, I think they'll three-peat. I mean, I, I have to agree. I mean, it's sad to say. Yeah, it's annoying. But I have to say the Bucks. The Bucks it's look really scary. Good. I mean, they look really good, and if they get there and their shots are hitting, and they could defend, uh, fl- like just consistently. And Boonholzer has plays with you know what to do in pick and rolls, and Giannis really helps out everywhere on the defensive end. They could figure it out. They could. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks played really well against the Warriors right. during the regular season. They beat them multiple times. Right. So we can see. The Bucks, I mean, the Reggie Bucks Miller. Could do it, but Reggie Miller. The Bucks says, could do it, but ultimately. They, I mean, they didn't even get out of the first round last year. So from going from the first round all the way up to being the Warriors, I mean, the, one of the greatest teams of all time, arguably. Yeah. That's bold. And I can't make that statement right now. I mean, now. Reggie Miller, he said it. He said, you know, the writing is on the wall. The way they're playing, the way, how much rest they've gotten, which is yeah, a big, big thing. They have thing. gotten a lot of rest. It's, Especially it, compared it to can, the Warriors it can happen. and Raptors. Yeah. It can happen. We'll see. All okay. Right. Signing off for now. Thank you so much to our loyal listeners, and uh, and have a good weekend. We'll see you later. See you later. Bye.